0: Welcome to Everything True Detective, our podcast on True Detective My name is Justin Blizzard, I'm here with Keith Krepko And we're going to talk about episode 3 uh, Maybe tomorrow <laughs> Right?
1: Right <laughs>
0: um, Before we get into episode 3, so episode 2 So I want to do, we're going to do something a little different with this episode uh, we did not share any notes beforehand, and I did that purposefully because I want uh, I want you to be shocked by the revelation. How much uh, you loved it? That I'm about to reveal. <laughs> but first I want to talk about the So the end of last week's episode, Ray is shot by a man in a bird's head and presumably left for dead. Now, neither of us thought he was actually dead. And then uh, yesterday or Saturday or Sunday, we, we received an email from uh, listener Lisa in Portland that was just a screen grab of TV Guide's description of the next episode. Now, I'm assuming they get the description for the episodes from HBO, Right. You would think so. Right. Uh and the description in the description itself it it says basically that Ray is alive. It says something about Annie and Ray have a conversation about him going rogue. So now I'm wondering like if they ever really wanted you to think he was dead, <laughs> right? Like it just seems like such a botched
1: execution. Execution
0: the- if they were really trying to like sh- surprise you, right? Right. So I thought that was weird. Um, but obviously Ray is not dead. He's barely hurt. <laughs> right. He's got a like crick in his arm, right? Right. His, about it. His ribs
1: are a bit sore.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's talk about episode three itself. Um what did you what did you think about the episode? Did you like it? Does it continue the sort of, now you you thought episode two was, you liked episode two, but you liked it in the sense, episode two was kind of like the defining moment for both of us, right? For me, episode two was, this is exactly everything that I feared the show would be, and I hate it, and for you it was, yes it was like right it was yeah, like was, all was, of the bad stuff has come to fruition but i still like watching it
1: yeah and and there's a distinction i'm not hate watching the show right i'm i'm enjoying the show mm-hmm. um hate hate watching is when you despise what you're seeing right i think it is living up to its expectation and i'm enjoying every twist and you know kind of um you know I'm, I'm aware of the plot point of what they're doing right i'm just enjoying the ride okay you know but i'm not hate watching so is
0: episode three more of the same for you or was it this is a legitimately good episode or sort of like this is getting the show back on track or is it just like this is still just complete sort of meathead storytelling
1: Th- the the, but third, I love it. Right, the third episode, honestly, I had more problems with because for the reasons why I was excited about episode two, which is that they're starting to go off the rails mm-hmm. and that's where the show needs to be, off the rails. Mm-hmm. People in bird heads need to be shooting people. You need to be thinking characters are dead. Well, this had an episode with a guy in like a weird
0: Katamari mask, right? At the end. Like I was hoping he would just start
1: rolling stuff up. Exactly. The things he's running through. <laughs> he, he reminded me of the uh, Spirited Away. Yeah. goes um, mm-hmm. yeah. <clears throat> this one was way too self, not self refer. It was way too referential mm-hmm. of other things. Yeah. And not interested in doing its own thing. Yeah. And they, I was like, yeah. get, get back on track on being like crazy. This is the David Lynch episode, this right? This is the David Lynch episode. And- and just to jump ahead, and then I'll turn it back over to you, and we can go back a little bit. <clears throat> you started at nine with, um, with uh, Taylor Kitsch's character. What's his name again? Paul. Paul. You started at nine with Paul popping a Viagra in <laughs> order to get it up for his girlfriend, uh-huh. and then you're teasing out this like he pops a Viagra to get up for his girlfriend. Episode two, he has a longing look with a dude. Uh Episode three, they're making out. They're probably going farther than making out. You don't then go to a slow burn character study of this repressed guy who's so repressed they can't get an erection without Viagra. And he literally cannot look at a male prostitute in the eye Uh because of the feelings that he has. He can't even make eye contact you don't tease that out for three episodes. That's not that's not a character arc, uh-huh. right? You've started at 9, you don't then slowly dial to 10. You go to 13. Okay. But is did his character start at 9 like
0: well, so I so after recording our episode 2, after episode 2, I've been listening to a podcast called True Detective Weekly. A bunch of smart guys on there talking about the episode. They know their sort of, they know their references, however you want to say it. They know mm-hmm. their stuff. And they really like the season so far, right? Yeah. So, so far, from what I've gathered listening to the podcast, we're seeing the same things, right? But <laughs> for some reason, for them, it, it it they're liking it and I'm not. Even though I recognize that we're seeing the same things. So after listening to their uh, talk on episode two, I decided to um, today. I decided to rewatch all three episodes wow. of the first season. Right. So I rewatched the first episode, and I felt pretty much the same as when I watched the first episode. Because after the first episode, it was like there are definitely some. Problems here, but mm-hmm. I was still excited. I was still into it, right? I thought I thought it could sort of go somewhere. Right. I watched the second episode, the episode which I hated. Did not like anything about it whatsoever. And I had completely cooled on that episode. And now I feel like it's... I still recognize all the faults. I still recognize these things, but I'm fine with it. And I actually... I'm not going to say I... Well, I guess I liked it. You liked it. Right? But I, it was fine. And so... And after watching episode three last night, I liked episode three. I didn't have any major issues with it outside of the same ones throughout the first two. Um, okay. And then re-watching it, I still liked it. but but So I want to talk about Paul's character. And so, yeah. and so I've been feeling it's kind of the same thing as you. It's like from minute one with this guy... It's like, this, is he gay? Yeah, he's gay, right? Right. And so it's like, when is it going to, like, a, a three episodes in, I feel like you can't keep teasing it, right? But I don't feel like he's teasing it, right? I, 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 the the revelation is not that he's gay. The revelation is that he's struggling with his sexuality. Like, that's the issue. The issue is not that he's gay. The issue is that he's struggling with his sexuality. So I feel like he I feel like we could go the entire season and that could never be sort of addressed as bluntly as we expect it to be. You know what I mean? Because it's like he's not waiting to come out as gay to everybody. He's trying to fight this thing off as much as possible. So I actually really like the way that they're dealing with Taylor Kitsch's character, because what's the alternative, right? So like, so like you're saying it's so obvious in the first episode that he's gay. So in the second episode, you just want him to be like, "I'm gay," and start like making out with guys. Yes, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's so it's like where does it go? Is my problem, and that's that's sort of what I'm trying to figure out. Like, so at this point, I like how s- it's. I just feel like it's being really like. This is the thing that got me. I was on Reddit today and I was going through one of the threads. I can't remember which one it was, but somebody made a comment about like um, about the scene where he gets in a fight with his buddy. Right. The mm-hmm. buddy that he obviously had some sort of gay mm-hmm. fling with in the desert. Mm-hmm. Very obvious. Right. There were tons of people on Reddit that had no idea what that scene was. That were like, he's gay? Is that what that whole scene was about? And it's like, to me and you, it's like, yeah, that's very obviously what that scene is about. But I feel like it's it's being played. Like, I just don't see what the alternative is, right? Like, is he just going to be like, I loved it when we had sex in the desert, but we can't do that anymore. I'm not gay. Like, what's the
1: alternative? yeah. You want him to say something like that? (laughs) No. But but what I feel like... Okay. Given the context of the show, right? What I feel like they're trying to do is turn this around and make it a character issue. Uh This is how this character reacts and responds to this reality of being gay and fighting it. But he is so over the top in... Everything that he does, uh-huh. right? That this is not how I imagine that character would. He would either be a weird, like, um, self-flagellating, <laughs> you know, like trying to beat the gayness out of him or something, you know, I don't like know about that. Like, you know, here is a guy who goes a hundred miles per hour on a on a uh-huh. bike. Because he's gay, maybe you know the guy's responding to his life at a hundred miles per hour, and then to like slow burn this, uh, you know, male attraction. You know, I just feel like you're you're playing two sides of the fence here, mm-hmm. and you 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 can't. This character's not not going to respond how he is to his life in one way, and then be acting the way that he is, unless. Off screen, we're seeing him have a huge outlet somewhere else, mm-hmm. you know, like sexually. Mm-hmm. Um, or is this a repressed 30 whatever year old? Mm-hmm. You know, I I just I just feel like if next episode there's he's like, I don't talk about the desert to his gay buddy again. Yeah, I, I'm gonna be like, This is this is not a careful meditation on a man struggling mm-hmm. with his sexuality. This is true detective where a guy got blown away in the chest with a shotgun twice. <laughs> and he's a okay, you know, where Rachel McAdams goes running out in front of a truck right. and has to get pulled back and saved. I mean, th- that's the level that we're working at. And I feel like to pull back with Paul and have him be this, uh, can't even look at you i'm so i'm so just wildly attracted he's angsty one of the guys
0: that's what the prostitute is like he's like i can't deal with this angsty cop and that's exactly what it is he's just like an angsty i'm not look i'm not saying like it's the the writing still bothers me like the dialogue and how every character is written the same and all this stuff but i feel like his struggle with his sexuality is being handled appropriately.
1: I'm I'm struggling to find the. And I know there's a corollary, and maybe I'll think of it by the end of the show. Uh-huh. But there there's a corollary. It's not it's not Breaking Bad, but I'm thinking about something like, where you have a slow character metamorphosis, right? The mm-hmm. slow growth of a character dealing with their dark side or coming to terms with it or whatever it is. And true detective, I think started way too quickly out of the gate with this character to then pull back to the extent that they have with him.
0: But see, I don't think he's, I don't think they started so quickly. I mean, that's what I'm trying to say. Like you're saying they started quickly out of the gate, but what I saw is people on Reddit Three episodes in, who had no idea of the possibility that he's gay.
1: What, what I'm seeing is a guy who comes in with a very attractive girlfriend, and when she just wants to have sex with him, is like, "I need, I need to have a shower. Hold on." Shh. Popping Viagra and then coming out.
0: Sure, but we've also, but we also in that exact same episode see Vince Vaughn struggling with the exact same thing, and he's not gay,
1: right? Yeah, but it's not to the same extent. Sure.
0: But I mean, that slight difference is what for me and you set off an alarm that to be like, oh, this guy is gay or he's struggling with his sexuality. But I think that that is a subtle enough. I mean, like he's not like he's not like outwardly revulsing at his girlfriend's touch. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's something there. He right. Is. He's definitely like stone faced. Yo, that was the, <laughs> that was the
1: deadest <laughs> stare. Not, like dry heaving. <laughs> <laughs> he's. He is one step away. I think the very next second after they cut, he was dry. He
0: right.
1: Well, I, I like it. I'm just saying I like
0: it. <laughs> um, let's go back. So let's talk about a little bit more about. So let's talk about where this episode is going, where, where the series is going, where the storyline is going. There's a lot of pieces that are starting to kind of come together, but a lot of it still feels very obtuse to me. Um, which is which is different from the first season, right? And because the first season, it was kind of like the very first scene, you know what's going on, right? It's like, here's a murder and they're going to investigate this murder. I, three episodes in, I'm still a little foggy on what everyone is doing and why they're <laughs> doing it. Mm-hmm. But at one point, Ray sort of implies that the person who shot him with the shotgun full of riot a- pellets could be law enforcement. Now the Ray not being killed at the end of that episode is so problematic for a million reasons. Mm-hmm. And this indicate this um, implication, it makes it even worse, but it's like at, at this point, like there's no reason why anybody would want to keep Ray alive Right, like, there's no logical reason why, if someone's going to trap him in a house and shoot him with a shotgun, they would keep him alive, right? Right. Like, who's going to do that? If Frank wants to get rid of him, he's going to get rid of him. If the police want to get rid of, like, it just makes no sense whatsoever that somebody would keep him alive, right? Uh, so I thought that. So that's like kind of. Uh, I don't know if like that's going to be explained or if it just is like. I mean, I guess we'll find out eventually, but it seems like we're either heading towards like another season one where it's like, here's all these random things. And by the end of the season, we're only going to give you the most basic explanation Mm -hmm. of the Mm storyline or all of these things are going to tie in to themselves. Another uh, thing, another sort of aspect of the show that plays into that. And tell me what you think about this. I don't know if you spent any time on the subreddit yet, but I haven't been enamored with the show enough to spend a whole lot of time on there. Right. And most of the posts at this point to me kind Are of wondering s- if
1: they kind- gay. <laughs> right,
0: <laughs> <laughs> they kind of at this point, they're just kind of like chaff. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to take the time to sort through these hundreds of posts to see where the real meat is. Uh, I'll I'll give the episode, I'll give the show a few more episodes before I start doing that. Yeah. But one uh, theory that's gotten very popular is that all of this is tying into the storyline from season one. And that Ben Casper is potentially one of the five horsemen from season one that were running the sex ring or whatever it is. And there's obviously a lot of ties to that, you know, the the sex aspect of it, the bizarre of animal right figures part of it. Do you think that's a possibility? Are you intrigued by that possibility? Does that make any sense whatsoever to you?
1: You know, I if Pizzolatto actually reveals after the end of All True Detective that he was writing one story, that would be amazing. Yeah. That that would be, that would overcome a whole lot of faults. Having said that, I don't think that's what he's doing. Yeah, I'm
0: not ready to completely write it off
1: yet. <clears throat>
0: um, the only reason that makes me think that that's not what he's doing is because it would be a good decision. You know what I mean? Okay,
1: I didn't want to, that's that I felt like that would be too snarky to say. That's 100% why why I'm I'm as hesitant as I am. The the other thing when I was driving over here I was just thinking to myself, what do I think this show is doing? And I don't maybe stand by this 100%, but it did come to my mind. Mm-hmm. That Pizzolatto is doing like CSI, his version of CSI. Like, what do you do when you're done with the first CSI? Well, you do CSI Miami, and you have that running, and mm-hmm. then you do CSI Los Angeles, right? And I just feel like this is true detective, made-up city, you know? Mm-hmm. And next season, if there's another one, it's going to be true detective Detroit or whatever. I don't I don't think that he it's It doesn't strike me that he's telling an overall coherent narrative I find that he's just changing locations Mm -hmm. plugging in a formula you know his kind of true detective formula Mm -hmm.
0: yeah like I said I'll I'll get a few more episodes but I'm leaning more towards that than anything at this point I hope that's true yeah it feels like a lot of grasping at straws so let's talk about uh Vince Vaughn's character Performance has been pretty lackluster the first two episodes. Has it did it change at all for you in this episode? No, still stinks. Um, yes, okay. I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I'm, I'm, I don't think I minded it as much this episode, but maybe it's just because you're expecting it. But let me read you (laughs) this is one theory on Reddit that I found very interesting. A little generous. Vince Vaughn was getting a lot of hate in the first two episodes for not being convincing, and it got me thinking, was that kind of the point? His character is completely out of his element as the savvy businessman, and it shows on screen. Now that he is showing his true face as the relentless gangster, more people are on board with his portrayal, which I don't know if that's true. All right. I predict at the end of the season, Vince will be the performance we all remember and admire. Here's what the top comment says. Yes, I mentioned this elsewhere, but I think Frank is trying to be the by appearances only upstanding businessman. Notice he says things like, you need a good woman to mitigate your baser tendencies. I think that's also why his relationship with Jordan is struggling. She represents the loss of his former identity and in some ways his virility and masculinity. He's trying to use words slash contracts when he's more comfortable using his fists slash pliers. It works with shady real estate deals and foreign foreign investors, but it's harder for him to get respect from the shitlords and Vinci unless he's cracking skulls. Notice how the guy with gold teeth and all his dudes were laughing at the idea of Vaughn having any sort of power over them. They called him old. They essentially told him, You're not the guy you used to be, and therefore we don't have to listen to you. He communicated with them the only way he knew how by literally kicking them in the ass. Uh in, in a cutaway edit
1: <laughs> right. to show him literally kick the guy in the right. ass.
0: But that's the basic idea. So what do you do you think, what do you think about that? Do you think it's all just like he's just it's it, uh, he's actually giving a master class in acting like <laughs> awkwardly, or do you think it just is like, he's not meant for this material?
1: There, there are two. Do you think there's any merit to that at all? Oh gosh. You know, I, I wish, I wish again, I want this to be good. Like uh-huh. I'm not hate watching this. I'm not like, um, joyously giggling through every Vince Vaughn monologue, mm-hmm. you know, but the, the, Aspects that stand out from Vince Vaughn in this episode are, again, his problem with waiting for people that he's going to curse out to get far enough removed from the room where they cannot hear him. so weird. The bad guy literally closes the door and he's like screaming upset Mm -hmm. and I'm like... Is that soundproof? Like and then like he looks out the window and the guy's already like over at his wife giving her a kiss. I'm like, is there a conveyor belt, like a hundred mile an hour yeah. conveyor belt that gets a guy awake? It's also <laughs> something I noticed that
0: he's done a lot in all the episodes, is every time like that guy comes in or goes out, or somebody comes in and goes out, as soon as they leave, he goes, Casper. Right. Like, oh my
1: gosh. Right. You know, it's it's that it's it's a it's him jumping around like a boxer when Mm -hmm. he's ready to fight. And to me, that's how Vince Vaughn is playing this character as this like guy who's like, all right, now I'm going to show he's got like a fighting style. He Mm -hmm. used to be a boxer and whatever. And it's too obvious, right? Mm -hmm. Like every movement and line that he says is just too forced and conventional. And he, look, he's not been given great lines, But he's not making him sing either. I still go back to and you've seen it twice now. Don't do anything out of hunger. Even eat. Yeah. Was that still as clunky? No, yeah.
0: It's it's delivered terribly. And
1: there are ways to say that, to make it work a little more, right? To take a beat in between or I mean that I don't know. With that line in particular, I don't know. To me, that line is such
0: like a it's such like a Line that it's supposed it's supposed to be so badass. Yeah, you know exactly. It's mean? like it's too obvious. Exactly,
1: and, and that to me is how he's playing this guy. Like when he's hop jumping around like a like a boxer. I'm yeah. like, you know, Vince Vaughn is just putting a little too much effort into this character and yeah. kind of trying to convey a little too much. I don't think that he's then thinking, oh, people are going to get the irony of how I'm playing this character.
0: Right, and that's been one of my issues with the show is that everyone is written the same, right it's all deep it's all brooding monotone blah, 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 blah. mumbling it's just everybody is like if you know Nick Nick pizzolatto is a, a, is a novelist right first and foremost he's he's writes books before he did all this movie stuff. If these four characters were in a book, it'd be one of those books that you read where you're like, who is this guy again? Mm-hmm. Because they all sound and talk exactly the same, even though they're four, you know, supposed to be four distinct characters.
1: While we're talking about Vince Vaughn, can I just say one of my favorite touches on the episode? Maybe, maybe this is my submission for too gratuitous, not gratuitous enough, uh-huh. or just right. Apparently, after he pulls the guy's grill out, which we don't see, right. He brought the teeth all the way home <laughs> to then throw them in a trash can. <laughs> yeah, why did he bring the teeth? He would. He should at least right make his own grill out of it right. or make it into a necklace. He just dumped them
0: on the guy's face, right? Like just <laughs> let them trickle out of his hand onto Instead, the guy's face. He
1: carries them all the way home, yeah, and then just throws them immediately in a trash can. Yeah. The, the other thing about his performance is the when he's at the sperm bank right and again zero to 60 you know where he's just like i can't do this and the next thing you know he's like screaming again at his wife and uh i just i was like i don't know what he's trying to do with this character but it it, it's not subtly ironic well and it's that same
0: i had an issue with that same scene as well and it's the and it's i'm noticing now not only is it with the characters but it's with the sort of tone and setting for every scene is also the same so where you have like literally the exact same score playing over a scene where the detectives are uh talking to a, coroner, cor- a cor- corner a corner corner to a about, to a very about <laughs> life <life-like> corner right <laughs> About this uh, city manager who's literally crotch has just been blown off. Uh-huh. You had the exact same like deep bass heavy score as the as this scene in the fertility clinic when Vince Vaughn is trying to like uh, fill up this cup. Right. It's it's the exact same sort of tone that the tone doesn't change from scene to scene. And it just is like I don't know if it's like. Everything is supposed to be this obviously everything is supposed to be this serious, but it just is like you know different moments require different tones, Mm -hmm. and they have the exact same the exact same thing on with the scene where um, Paul and his buddy have their confrontation, so much so to the point to where as soon as his buddy places his hand on Paul's chest. You get a deep like boom. It's just right. like, whoa, that's really ominous. Like right. for this. I, I feel like that's way too ominous for this scene, right? But it just is like it just it just speaks to the sort of like the monotony of the show, I feel like. Everything is getting drowned out in depressing, dark tones. There's nothing to it's it is a series of Rust Cole's is mm-hmm. like what I've said before it's like what made Rust Cole so unique was that he was the only person like that in season 1 right everybody else was normal was the was exactly what you'd expect for their whereas in in this in this season the the third guy on Vince Vaughn's crew is Rust Cole and he's like it looks like a oh my shark, whatever his stupid line is a no, sh- no, half no. shark, half snake or whatever.
1: We know we, we need to remember. He's like part anaconda, yeah, part great white. Yeah. It's like, this guy is a <laughs> this guy is a total dope. <laughs> right? And he says it so kind of like yeah. spaced out, like he's imagining it. And I, and all I could think was what which one is the back half? Because Neither of them have scary back halves. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is he, <laughs> right. is he a shark head with an anaconda tail? Right. Or is he an anaconda mouth that swallows, <laughs> can unhinge its jaw right. with just a shark tail? Yeah. But yeah. he's clearly seeing in his mind, it's like maybe it's two heads on either end. Right. It's a shark head tail, and an anaconda head. Um, so all of that
0: has led me to invent my own true detective game. Are you ready? It's called guess which character. Okay. So I want you to guess which character I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, which character has undisclosed sexual problems?
1: See, we could be going with all of them. Exactly.
0: Okay. (laughs) Which character has a distant relationship with a parent who lives on the fringe of society.
1: Um. All right, we definitely know Annie does. Um. Fringe of society. Oh well, now we know that uh, Paul mm-hmm. Paul does, mm-hmm. and Ray
0: Ray's father, Ray's who's dad. a retired cop who's a racist,
1: and yeah, throws his badge away right.
0: Okay, uh, which character committed a heinous act in the past that they won't talk about? <laughs> I don't talk about the desert. Right. Uh, but uh, McAdams also doesn't talk about, obviously something happened to her in the past that she doesn't talk about. Right. And Colin Farrell did something in the past that he doesn't talk about. Well. Supposedly to the rapist.
1: But, but, he, but he references it a lot. Well, in, in mall parking lots. No, to his he's talking wife. about the dad he beat up there. She brings that up. No, but, but he, when he was like, I did stuff for you, oh, and she's well, like, yeah. don't
0: put that on me. Okay, which character speaks in low, monotone, emotionless voices? All of them. Nick Pizzolatto. Literally every single character in the show. Right. That's all I've got so far. Okay. That was good. But despite all of that, I liked the episode. I liked it, I think, mainly because I can look past a lot of those things. I'm I'm starting to get past, I think, once you are expecting the self-seriousness yes. from all of their characters, and once you are expecting Vince Vaughn's performance, it makes it a lot easier to get past. And so now, I'm interested to see in how all these pieces are going to start coming together. Yeah. That they're bringing up in this third episode
1: i'm taking pleasure in the plot points more than the characters yeah, i i want absolutely yeah that's that that's how i'm watching this and i want to like the characters more i wish that nick pizzolato knew that realized it and wrote them just a hair more relatable light you mm-hmm. know um paul cracks a little smile in the car right this time mm-hmm. and i was like well, what a little ray of sunshine, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I more want to talk about more that, but that, that was a pretty all right scene. Outside
0: yeah. of the, like I said, you get the same sort of
1: monotonous dialogue between the two, right? Right. Just, you get the so about this uh actress. Yeah. If you if you accuse me, I'm getting out of this car. <laughs> and I like that she kind of like play and he right. smiles. Yeah. It's it's a small moment of self-reflection. Right. Oh my goodness. He's a, he's slightly self-aware. Right. <clears throat> Instead, every other time he just seems like pushed by his repressed emotions, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, th- they definitely need more of that. Um, I only had a couple more things I wanted to talk about. So if you have other things you
1: want to bring up, I, I want to bring up Ray. Okay. A little bit. And specifically I want to start with, their, his How they handled his revelation, that he is alive. Okay. How do you think? So we start with the David Lynchian opening. Did you know immediately that this is not happening in the real... This is not like a flashback. This is some kind of dream. in between.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think just because the... Now, I, I really liked the dream sequence. You did? Well... I like the singer.
1: (laughs) Well, that's saying something, given the singers that have happened previously on the show. (laughs) That you like Um, the singer. And I
0: really just like the singer because it reminded me of David Lynch.
1: (laughs) Okay, yeah. See, here's, here's the thing. I feel like... You know, this goes back to like the whole Quentin Tarantino thing, right? Where Quentin okay. Tarantino can take a reference and riff on it and make it his own. David Lynch Lind- or, or uh, Milch can do that with Deadwood, right? Mm-hmm. You can take Westerns and take tropes and whatever and just riff on it and mm-hmm. be like, wow, this is new. Like I've not heard characters. I've seen characters like this. I haven't seen them act this way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then you get an episode like this that opens up and you go, oh, David Lynch. Immediately, David Lynch, yeah. yeah, and to me, I don't know. Like you, you watch one of the nightmare visions, the lady in the radiator, and from Eraserhead, and you think, this is straight from this man's brain. Mm-hmm. This is horrifying and haunting <laughs> yeah. and just amazing. Yeah. Or Mulholland Drive can just wildly shift from scene to scene, and he can introduce stuff and have it seamlessly go back to a standard narrative to Mm -hmm. this dream logic and then back again with Nick Pizzolatto it shows the seams and part of it makes me think like well what are you going to get right Mm -hmm. I mean this is a TV show and they're just doing a little homage and they're going back to their story and can you enjoy things just as a obvious like head nod or does it need to be done a little more seam a little more with a little more artistry Mm -hmm. and I just felt like I wanted a little more artistry is a little a little too on the nose for David Lynch that it didn't do anything interesting for me visually. I think I just liked it
0: because it was different. Because it was different from what we've gotten, and it showed that they're willing to sort of it kind of reminded I guess it kind of reminds me of the hallucinations in the first season that sort of dis fall away until the very last episode. Right. I just like that they're introducing an element that is not a traditional, you know, uh, crime scene procedural.
1: Maybe I like it more if they do more of it moving forward. Yeah, or maybe it's just that it stands out because yeah, we don't we don't have like the hallucin. Again, Rust Cole like is great because he has those hallucinations, and they can do stuff with the narrative that makes you go like, was that really happening? Was it not? And the visuals work, I think mm-hmm. a little better than just a straight up homage. I did like the reveal that the song was playing on the radio mm-hmm. that, that I thought was like, I thought that was good mm-hmm. that they didn't just pick up random. So like, this is my least favorite, you know, like yeah. uh, just an obvious made up song. <clears throat> what'd you think about him lifting up his shirt and just there being pock marks, pot, <laughs> pot marks, What was the first thought that went through your head? Like, yeah, or like, yeah, basically, I mean, I,
0: I expected him to be alive and I knew I would be disappointed in that. Um, But speaking of that scene, did you notice the lieutenant that interacts with Rachel McAdams? He is overacting so (laughs) much that I thought he was going to, like, come through the TV screen and. Are you you talking about the mayor? No, the lieutenant, the skinny lieutenant. He's on the he's on the actual crime. He's at the actual house and he just is like he's almost like wagging his head and he's just doing all these like you, if anything, need to go back back to episode three and watch that 30 second clip of him. It is it is insane that he got away with that. Okay. Like I, honest, I feel like nobody watched that scene, <laughs> and they're just like, "That's the scene that we need, right? Just put it in there, right?" Like it is, it is crazy how over the top he is. Um, one last thing I noticed watching the rewatching everything I, is, I think, and this may seem obvious, but I think the series is leading up to. Uh, confrontation between Ray and Antigone because throughout the first three episodes, every single time they show Antigone being debriefed by her superiors, they, it is immediately followed by Ray then being debriefed by his superiors. And they're obviously, you know, she's obviously Mm -hmm. trying to find him out and they're trying to keep him covered up basically. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they're sort of telling us this is this is going to be the big confrontation or whatever. I don't know if that's gonna necessarily be like the end of the season or whatever, but I feel like that's coming eventually. These this sort of clashing of the two worlds. That was the only thing that I really picked up on rewatching everything that I hadn't noticed uh before.
1: Do you think this is fundamentally kind of raised Redemption story? Is that season two? Uh, I
0: haven't really gotten that feeling. But I... Well, I guess it is because he's trying to turn things around, you know? But... I mean, I could take it or leave it. Yeah. I don't really... I don't. Well, I don't know. I I, I don't I I don't feel particularly invested in Ray or like I'm not really that concerned. I mean, I guess it's like we said before, like the characters kind of stink. And at this point, I'm not as concerned with what happens to the characters as I am with like unpacking the rest of the mystery that they're trying to figure out. You know what I mean? Like I'm more interested in how all of these things tie together, and if they tie together with the first season than I am what actually happens to the characters
1: and I guess I want to take a second to address do you remember my theory that I mentioned in during the first episode that I feel like this um bird headed man uh-huh. is like a force unleashed on all these evil people, sure. And he's coming for everybody. Like he's he's not like righteousness. Mm-hmm. He's like evil unleashed, who's now going to meet out everybody's just desserts, mm-hmm. kind of you know. Or maybe like an angel of God esque, you know. Um, you know, I think I compared him to. No Country for Old Men, you know, Anton mm-hmm. Chigurh, that kind of mm-hmm. yeah, evil that's right. unleashed.
0: Mm-hmm. And it, I was actually going to say quickly that the dream sequence reminded me of the end of No Country for Old Men uh, when Tommy uh, Lee Jones is recounting his, his dream? dream. I just thought it had traces of
1: that. Right. Um, I don't... I wish it was true. I don't... <laughs> no, if, yeah. I think this is where... <laughs> I kind of give up on that, but I still like the idea of a force being unleashed on this city that's going to kind of like a cleansing flood through violence, mm-hmm. not through you know um righteousness, but kind of a giving over of these characters to mm-hmm. what they've reaped, you know, which mm-hmm. is perversion and death and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. but I think it's just going to turn out to be a kind of political conspiracy. What do you,
0: what do you think about the corruption of, of Vinci? Like in this show, literally every single person in Vinci is corrupt. Is corrupt. Do you, are you bothered by that or?
1: Um, no, because again, I'm, I'm enjoying like the, like, that's fine. Do something with it. You know, like, Mm -hmm. and I mean, have you been surprised by a plot point? in this show so far? No. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Like episode four, we're halfway through, <laughs> like do something.
0: Yeah. We are halfway through, man.
1: Yeah. So, um, I'm re- I think for me, the next episode is make or break. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Paul better make out with a the dude. <laughs> These are the things I want. I want him to continue
0: to struggle. I well, think his gosh. struggle is fine. I see nothing wrong with the struggle. That's his character. He's not gay. He's not going to make out with a guy because he's not gay. He's f- struggling with it. Or he will and will get a 200 mile the per hour motorcycle <laughs> drive in the
1: dark. It will be the longest, most passionate kiss <laughs> ever. This is 20 plus years of repression. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I, I want to see that. And I want to see a plot point that surprises me. Yeah. I want to see a development where I le- where I don't go. He's alive, right? You know, I'm even I'm struggling to remember how this one ended. It ends with the chase. They chase the truck, oh, right? Yeah, oh like no, it ends
0: with with Frank coming back and dropping the and teeth dropping the tea, being like maybe tomorrow. And he does a whole lot of face acting before he says maybe tomorrow. Mm-hmm. A whole lot of eyebrow acting. <laughs>
1: You guys have, have good eyebrows.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I'll end the show with a question. With I've got uh, one question that has two parts. Who do you think the uh, guy in the bird mask is? And, you know, whether it be a specific person or just this guy who's working for this guy. And do you think he is part of um do you think he's somebody we've seen already or part of somebody we've seen already? Or do you think kind of like with um Errol in season one, he's just kind of this maybe a guy we've seen in passing be. but completely insignificant? <clears throat> Um, Okay. And do you think that that guy is significant at all? Or do you think he just is like a henchman?
1: Right. Um, Okay, so the the issues that I have, really quick, who would want to kill Casper? Obviously, no one linked with Vince Vaughn. Mm -hmm. Maybe somebody who didn't want this light rail to go through. Mm -hmm. So we could be dealing with a political rival. Somebody who has something to gain but we have not seen the other side of the light rail issue yet. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be somebody who was literally just trying to get to Vince Vaughn through Casper. Mm -hmm. In that case, it could be the other politician that he was, you know, trying to get back in the deal with, right? Because he wanted more control or whatever, wanted Vince Vaughn out. But I don't even know that guy's name. Yeah. So
0: the Russian guy?
1: No, no, not not remember the the politician when Vince Vaughn went to him with his attorney. Oh, Casper. Yeah. And he's Mm -hmm. like, no, not. I'm not honoring that. Yeah. Um he would have a reason to go, Casper, because now Vince Vaughn is out and he gets more Mm -hmm. kickback money if Vince Vaughn wants to buy in. Mm -hmm. Um Beyond that, no one else seems that we've met effectual enough to carry out something a conspiracy this large mm-hmm. it's like the mayor right the mayor is just like talking about overacting
0: oh, he's yeah. just in there with ray the king.
1: Try, yeah trying to get um annie off the off the case mm-hmm. right and just saying i'm gonna have her head or whatever mm-hmm. um he just seems exactly that reactionary mm-hmm. maybe he's involved in the sexual perversion side of it mm-hmm. i mean his family's really messed up Right, Uh, but I don't think that he's—he doesn't strike me as like the guy behind the guy, right? The drunk police chief, Mm -hmm. too drunk, Mm -hmm. which leads me with—we haven't seen him yet. Yeah, it's some, which is why I wish that he was just a force unleashed on all these people. Yeah, you know, Um, but I don't think it is. I think it's going to turn out to be. Someone we haven't seen yet. Maybe here's here's my my next random prediction. Season four is going to be like remember in season one when we pulled back and we saw the killer riding the lawnmower. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Some reference mm-hmm. to to the guy who's behind all this. Yeah. Um,
0: And I actually have one more question because I forgot to bring this up earlier.
1: Part of the theory
0: connecting the the first and second seasons with the the five horsemen. I I saw five horsemen, but it's four horsemen, right? Like there's four horsemen of the The apocalypse, right? Anyways, part of that, those connecting those seasons is also involving Annie's father's cult. cult, quote unquote. Do you think he has any part of it? Do you think we'll see that later? Or do you think he is basically playing the exact same role that Michelle Monaghan's father played, Mm -hmm. where it's like, this creepy guy's got to be a part of it, right? And then you hear nothing from him for the rest of the
1: season. He wasn't a part of it. The one thing I'll say is it's David Morse, who's a legitimate actor. Also, what happened to this Latino lady that they're looking forward to? Oh, yeah, who knows? Who knows, right? Yeah. So, you know, this could all be diversion and then we're going back to David Morse. Mm-hmm. To me, he's too big of an actor to just play that one role, not be involved mm-hmm. in some way further. But to me, it seems like maybe he's more involved I could see him being more involved on in, like the sex side of it, providing women or mm-hmm. Yeah. Something. I can't
0: I can't imagine after how many people talked about or how many theories involved basically the same character from the first season that they would he would throw in that same character in the second season. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that does it for, uh, for our discussion on episode three. Uh, if you want to, uh, email us any questions, you can find my email in the show notes or on the website, EI uh, and feel free to email any suggestions, questions, you know, you find an interesting article, um, we're uh, all ears All we're all emails all ears all the time
1: <laughs> that's us
0: uh, yeah so thanks for listening and we will see you next week